ฉันเ
to the words of truth that already fill twenty-odd books. Repeating some of those statements will be helpful, but the actual experience is going to come about through an attunement to consciousness that is the work that we are now starting. As a necessary step, I must ask you to give as many periods a day to specific meditation as you can. These periods need not be more than three or four minutes each, but there must be many such periods. That, of course, would be the indication of the degree of your own desire for attainment. <clears throat> entire secret of spiritual living, or I might put it this way, the entire secret of harmonious living on the human plane is embodied in one scriptural passage. If we were to take that passage seriously, we could forget all the rest of the Bible. It would just be pleasant reading matter for us, because it's all included in the one statement. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. This is the secret. Men awaken in the morning, and women, And as fast as they can, they get to their shower, tub, breakfast, business, housekeeping. And uh, if they're more religiously inclined to a little passage of scripture or reading of scripture, if they're more metaphysically inclined, they might read out of their metaphysical books for a while, but rarely do they fulfill the demands of this one statement. The statement is, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, not out of the mouth of a book, not out of the mouth of a man, out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, or man does not live by bread alone. By bread we understand effect. Man does not live by material food and drink alone. Man does not live by material houses or investments alone. 
It doesn't say that we're to eliminate any of these. But that we cannot live by these alone. We have to live by the spiritual word imparted to us from within. Now, <clears throat> everything that you can think of is an effect. Everything that you can think of is bread, is form. Therefore, while all of this may be helpful, normal, natural, in our daily experience, this does not constitute that by which alone we live. There must be another added thing. There must be another ingredient of life besides that which we see, hear, taste, touch, smell, and can think about. I think that we came close to that the other evening in meditation and all of a sudden I said I know now how to pray and I know how to teach how to pray how? Well, close your eyes now and pray For anything you want that is not of this world. And I think that in that you will discover the secret of prayer. Since my kingdom, the Christ kingdom, is not of this world. Now what do we want? We want the Christ kingdom. We want the spiritual kingdom. We want harmony. We want peace, not the peace that the world can give, but my peace, the spiritual peace, the kingdom of God. And since my kingdom is not of this world, and we are seeking my kingdom, then let's pray for my kingdom. Let us pray for anything we want that is not of this world. And I think that you will find that as you take that attitude you will be nearing that of the scripture that says we know not what we should pray for. We must let the spirit bear witness with our spirit. We know not what things we should pray for. And it is true if your prayer is to be limited to that which is not of this world then you don't know what to pray for and so your prayer would surely be listening for that word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It wouldn't be any different than uh, the writers, the painters, the artists, the music composers are up against every day of their lives. They want to bring forth something but it must be something that had no existence before. 
Well, there's no use writing a book that's been written before. There's no use painting a picture that's been done before. There's no use inventing an invention that's been invented before. And so, how would these men pray? They would have to learn to turn within for a revelation of something heretofore unknown. And that is an indication of us in prayer. What is the use of our praying for the same things that we've been having for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, which have not given us the satisfaction or completeness or perfection after we've gotten them? Of what avail would it be to have a little more of that which hadn't satisfied to begin with? Probably would be a little more of dissatisfaction come with it. Now, we know not what to pray for. We do know that that which we are seeking is already within us. The whole kingdom of God is within us. The whole of the spiritual universe is within us. We know that. And we know that making statements about it and reading books about it does not bring it forth. It only leads us to a point where in the silence, or where we are prepared to be in the silence, to receive the grace of God. Here is the secret. We really know what we're seeking. We don't know what things we're seeking. We don't know what things to pray for, but we know what we are seeking. We are seeking the grace of God, since thy grace is my sufficiency. We know that. We know to begin with that we're seeking the grace of God and nothing but the grace of God, and we know we're not going to get it out of the human mind. And we know we're not going to get it out of a bank account, and we know we're not going to get it out of the peace that this world can give. And so, since what we are seeking is a word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, or divine grace, and since we know that it can only be attained by a state of inner silence, a state of inner awareness, receptivity, it will become necessary for us to prepare ourselves for the experience of receiving that grace. Grace isn't received in the outer world. The things that come to us in the outer world only come because we have received an inward grace. First must come receiving the inward grace before the things of this world or the things are added unto us. We do not receive the grace of God in the outer picture. We receive the grace of God in our inmost soul. The things that follow as the result of receiving the grace of God inwardly are the tangible effects such as happy relationships, abundant supply, successful business, or art, whatever our field may be. 
the preparation for receiving the inner grace are those periods of silence, inner reflection or introspection, meditation or communion, and uh, even though in those three or four minute periods during the day we seem to be getting nowhere, we seem to be receiving nothing, we, receiving, we seem to be making no progress, don't give up on that account because you have no way of judging any more than you can judge if you decided to take piano lessons and were told to do a five-finger exercise and then at the end of six hours of practice said, well, you know, I can't do it any better now than I did at the beginning. Probably that's true. Outwardly, it would seem so. But from the first exercise of the scale, something started to take place in both mind and muscle. And it might take a whole year of this before what was inwardly taking place could manifest itself in the ability to do that. Run right through that five-finger scale. But you see, it would take each one of those repetitions of that five-finger scale, even where outwardly there would seem to be no progress until one arrived at that place where there was a small progress. And so it is with meditation. From the first time that you close your eyes and realize that I'm seeking the grace of God, I'm seeking some word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, I know not what to pray for, and so I'm not going to pray for anything of this world. And you see a minute's already gone by, but that minute has already emptied us of our human uh, thought about prayer. And so for the next half minute, at least, we have nothing to say. And that's all. That's all there is to that period of meditation. That alone, repeated a dozen times a day, would change one's entire life inside of a month. Or at least it would begin to show changes inside of a month because every time one turned inwardly that way, they would be declaring, I can in my own self do nothing even if they didn't think the statement. They would be declaring, I'm seeking the kingdom within, even if they never thought of those words. Their whole attitude will be, Father, I can in my own self do nothing, come to my rescue. In other words, it would be humility, it would be acknowledging the nothingness of human wisdom, human strength, human power. It would be acknowledging that there must come something from the infinite invisible. Something must come forth from the depths within if we are to be saved. And all of that is the true sense of humility and is a true sense of prayer. Now, <clears throat> those periods of silence create an atmosphere. Every blanking of ourselves is 
are making room for our self and uh, this creates an atmosphere of spirit it creates an activity of spirit that without our knowing it or having any awareness of it it goes before us to make the crooked places straight you see it all to human sense sounds so impossible it all to human sense seems uh, ephemeral intangible but it isn't the most tangible thing in the world is spirit or God the most real thing there is in all the world is spirit or God once you perceive that you'll see how the things of this world are just the toys just the marbles that we play with or the dollar bills that we use for exchange or the homes that we use for shelter and to enjoy our companionships you'll see how all of this picture of the things of the world fit in normally beautifully harmoniously joyously and yet not too importantly because the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that if you were to destroy this temple if you were to destroy this body if you were to destroy this house if you were to destroy this bank account if you were to destroy all of the securities and the government in three days I would begin to build it all up again the spirit would take over civilizations have been destroyed time after time but the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ's body from the dead always seems to have a way of uh, raising up new civilizations and each time a little better one than the one before so it will be we need no more fear the destruction of this civilization than that of the dark ages of the middle centuries or Rome or Greece or the Holy Lands or India or China all of these have been civilizations raised up and destroyed just a shorter time ago as 1914 France was a most beautiful country a most wonderful people and a beautiful civilization and today there are almost no traces of it left travel the length and breadth of France to see if you can find anything but just a lot of sick men and women walking up and down the roads and streets in the big cities and the small towns mentally sick morally sick financially sick with no hope nothing just a broken a destroyed civilization it's as near complete wreckage as any civilization on the face of the globe at the present time but it'll there'll be another renaissance it'll be revived even better than the one before I saw the Germany after World War One and after World War Two. It'll be revived in a greater glory than ever before. Just as I've known men and women right in our country who have been wrecked, 
physically, mentally, sometimes morally and financially, and witness their rejuvenation. The Spirit does all things and uh, raises up every destroyed temple. We need have no concern at the broken forms that come and go, as long as we have uh, and can bear witness to the Spirit that is a spirit of resurrection, of rejuvenation, of restoration, of renaissance. As long as men and women live by bread alone, by human activities, whether it be business, family, commercial, or art, or literature, or poetry, or uh, music, if they are living exclusively by the effect, by the thing itself that's in the, ex in the external world, they must expect eventually to be consumed, to waste away, to become barren, because you cannot live on externals alone without disintegrating. You see this as you walk about your cities, towns, villages. You can almost look into the faces of the men and women and see those who have some inner light that they live by, some inner hope, expectation, or glory, and those who are merely good people or bad, as the case may be, living on uh, effect, living on food, clothing, physical health, physical wealth, physical culture, on the things of this world. Where there is a spiritual light, it's easily detected. You can see it in the eyes, you can see it in the body. None of these disintegrate as they do where there is only a living by and through and with the externals. Now, when the Master was on earth and taught that the kingdom of God is within you. So you must not live by external things alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, every word of truth. The masses couldn't accept that. But there were hundreds who did. And those hundreds perpetuated themselves for 300 or more years. And uh, they set forth a wonderful example of life in the world to such an extent that ever since then there have been revivals of those teachings, such as the 12th to the 17th century in Europe, where Western mysticism had its tremendous growth, where all the way from the English Channel up into Switzerland, there were groups meeting just as we are here in homes 
for one purpose only, making contact with the Father within. Out of that came this uh, Quaker movement, which also has for its object making the contact within. Wherever this contact is made within, you find a flourishing society within its scope, within its borders. Below, a thousand outside this window and ten thousand out here may at the same moment fall. It does not come nigh the dwelling place of those who make this contact, who achieve the realization of this invisible presence. This presence that is, although it's invisible, it's within you. It's within me. There, there is nobody in this world bereft of it. It is available to everyone who has ears to hear and eyes to see. It is not available for those whose ears are stopped. It is not available for those who cannot catch some vision that this is true. If it doesn't ring true within them so that it leads them on to uh, the attempt to realization, then it's not yet for them. It is an interesting thing to watch in my mail these days, the amount of letters that are coming from ministers. Ministers who are finding the books of the infinite way and then writing me and saying, this gives us the one thing that has been missing, the actual contact with the source itself instead of the just reading it or reading about it and declaring it and sermonizing about it. And some write and ask for help in making the contact because they haven't been able to achieve that contact. Now, whether it is in the ministry or out is of no importance. The important thing is this, that there is no spiritual ministry unless that contact has been made. When it's been made, it makes no difference whether one is an ordained minister, ordained by man, or not. Since the ordination that makes for this atmosphere, this presence and power, is of God and not of man. That is why every week answers go out to the effect that we do not ordain anybody, we do not authorize any practitioners or teachers. Why? Because I do not have the power to give anybody the necessary spiritual consciousness by issuing a diploma. That is something that is attained through these periods of meditation and contact, through these periods of association with spiritual teachers, and then when the ordination comes from within, when the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit and says, you are my beloved child, then we are ordained and there is no need for any legal ordination or human authorization. 
Now, we have something in the nature of a formula for prayer. We might try it now and uh, see what this formula does with us. And remember that the formula is pray for anything you like as long as it is not of this world. That's kind of limiting, isn't it? We are limited to praying for things that are not of this world. Can't pray for health. Can't pray for success. Can't pray for the world. Can't pray for the integrity. Can't. I know it's very limiting, very confining, and at times very painful. That is what we are going to practice until we achieve a measure of success in it. Because the moment we no longer pray for the things of this world, we will automatically be praying for my kingdom, my peace, the kingdom of God within. You see, this goes back to one of the principles of the infinite way in which we learned that supply does not exist in the visible world and that every prayer or treatment in metaphysics that has for its aim or object the demonstrating of supply must be a failure. Can't be otherwise, because there is no supply in the world. There are the fruits of supply, the effects of supply, the products of supply, but there is no such thing as supply. Supply is within you because supply is spirit, substance. In exactly the same way that the supply in your orchard, your ranch, is not on the tree, it's the life operating as the tree. And so, in order to have fruit on the tree, it would be necessary to demonstrate the life within the tree or which animates the tree then the footage on the tree would be a normal natural result it would be as foolish for us to pray for roses as it would be to pray for crops because there is no way of producing a rose in the external a rose has to come up through from the ground, from the rain, from the sunshine, from the soil, up through the bush, and then ultimately it appears externally as a rose. But think of trying to pray for a rose by separate and apart from the sun, the light, the rain, the soil. There is no such thing as a rose. 
A rose is only the effect of sun and rain and soil operating in and through that bush. And so it is with all supply. There is no such thing as a dollar bill separate and apart from the consciousness of an individual. The consciousness of an individual is the substance, the source, and the activity of every dollar bill there is in this world. And nobody ever gets their dollars except through consciousness. And those who through purely external means do get them, seldom find it possible to hold on to them. Because they're not theirs. It would be like the rose bush trying to hold on to roses that we went out and pinned on them. They just wouldn't hold them very long. Now, <clears throat> praying then for roses, dollars, homes, or anything in the external world is foolishness because these do not constitute supply. Supply is that invisible thing that we call God. And so it is that prayer for supply is useless. But the same is true of health. There is no such thing as health separate and apart from the consciousness of an individual. Remember that. There is no health separate and apart from the consciousness of an individual. An individual embodies the consciousness of health and then it appears externally as the health of the body. And if they do not have a consciousness of health, they cannot have health itself. If we do not have a consciousness of supply, we cannot have supply itself. If we do not have a consciousness of peace, we cannot have peace itself. How do we attain this consciousness of supply, of health? of peace, of joy, of dominion. We acquire it through every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We acquire it through the acquisition of divine grace. Thy grace is my sufficiency of roses. Thy grace is my sufficiency of dollars. Thy grace is my sufficiency of health. Without thy grace, which is the substance of all form, I cannot have the forms. How then do we acquire thy grace? Go within. Go within and acknowledge it. Thy grace is my sufficiency. Every word of God is my sufficiency. And so here I am praying for none of the things of the world, awaiting for that which will assure me that thy grace is on the field. And that's all the, there is to our outer form of prayer. Now there's a 30 second or 60 second waiting just for that little interval of silence in which and through which we receive the assurance of the presence. But if we do not receive it, do not be disturbed. 
This is only the first day of our five finger exercise. We have to keep on 11 more times before we fall asleep tonight. And then again tomorrow, and tomorrow's tomorrow, and tomorrow's tomorrow, until in the moment that ye think not, the bridegroom comes, the feeling comes, that intuitive sense comes, that awareness comes, that consciousness of the presence, that realization that David had, that calm assurance of God's grace. And that's all that's necessary because that grace is our sufficiency. That grace attained within becomes the roses and the without or the dollars or the health or the peace and the joy and the dominion. Separate and apart from the attainment of divine grace within, there is no permanent good achieved in the without. Now, that is the way the world has missed the mark. They have thought that if we sit here and one or more of us talks about God and tells about God's goodness and asks God to bless us, that in some strange way God will do for us today or tomorrow what it didn't do yesterday. And of course it has failed. It has failed throughout the years. It has failed throughout the centuries. Every bit of success that has come in individual living has come through an inner contact with the source of all good. And now again, let us go back and pray and let us pray for anything we want that is not of this world. Heretofore, if you watch the prayers and the metaphysical treatments of the world, you will find that they are aimed either for things or persons or conditions of the world, for safety, for security, for peace, for justice, for mercy, for forgiveness, for supply, for companionship, for home. And I say to you that all of this praying is ineffectual. All of this is just like praying to have roses hung on your rose bushes or coconuts hung on your coconut trees. The only prayer that is effective is thy grace is my sufficiency. I live by every word that proceeds from the Father within me. If I'm standing on a street corner, if I'm riding in a car, if I'm in the Holy of Holies in the most sacred temple, if I'm in my garden or walking the beach or swimming in the sea, and there remember that every word of God is the substance and activity and joy of my life, I am in prayer. If the song in my heart is for the grace of God, 
to be established within me I am in prayer when prayer goes beyond that it isn't prayer you will find that it is easier to attain your peace and your harmony when we are praying together and that is because I if I be lifted up shall draw all men unto my state of consciousness it means that you benefit by my degree of uh, inner peace and the degree of others in this room who have attained themselves some measure of this contact all of that where two or more gather together in this uplifted consciousness all the rest benefit by it and for that reason you may find it a simple matter or at least a more simple matter to attain your quiet and peace here than you will when you're doing it alone but do not be discouraged on that account the same experience will come to you that has come to us remember that it is true of us as was said of old that we are just men as ye be we are just of the same uh, uh, flesh and blood that was corruption and uh, through every state and stage of it we have been lifted up one step at a time until we're now nearly a whole step up and uh, so it will be with each other one God is no respecter of persons it makes no difference whether your background of human life has been one of purity or one of sin this has nothing to do with that there is no reward for your past goodness and there is no punishment for your past sins it seems very often uh, that this is a difficult way of uh, believing but it is the truth there are no rewards for past virtues and there are no punishments for past sins all that counts is what is taking place in your consciousness at this moment now are we the sons of God though your sins were scarlet you shall be white as snow when now why neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more neither do I have judgment on you or your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents and the eye that I'm speaking of is the Spirit of God in man it has no condemnation for the erroneous beliefs that we have heretofore entertained but go and sin no more means do not return to those erroneous beliefs lest a worse thing come upon thee in other words two times two is five has always brought discord and trouble to us but two times two is five indulged in tomorrow can bring more trouble to us but now that we've learned that two times two is four let us abide in that truth and so it is with this 
There is a spiritual integrity which has never been touched in us. It has never been violated. It is our true identity. And regardless of the human life we've lived, of good or of bad, it has never touched the soul of our being. It is just as is in the last chapter of Living the Infinite Way, that <clears throat> the uh, discords and inharmonies, the sins and the deaths that happen to us, never have touched the integrity of our true being. And in the realization of that, we are made free from any seeming effect that our guilt complexes may have caused us. <coughs> this will lead you to see eventually why the chapter New Horizon emphasizes that the entire human experience is illusory in that there is no substance in it, no life, no continuity. It exists only while we perpetuate it in thought. When we've dropped it from thought, it's as dead as yesterday's newspaper. And some of today's, too. Now, let us embark on this work with a specific purpose, motive, hope, and also with confidence that you are not entirely on your own resources, that our being united uh, in this work is giving us a more potent assistance than if we were engaged in it alone. Not that anyone couldn't attain it all alone. Indeed, they can. The only thing is that it's more difficult sometimes takes longer and drives one harder until it's achieved, but it can be done. The purpose, the motive of this work is attaining divine grace, not attaining peace, prosperity, health or home attaining divine grace because once we attain it even in a measure it takes over our experience and, and uh, lives our lives performs those things that are given us to do makes the crooked places straight now we will learn the meaning of not living by bread alone but by this inner grace. We must not speak of this even among ourselves. Keep this not as a subject of conversation, not as uh, something we want to give others. I may say this to you very honestly, we really have nothing to give others except in the attainment of it ourselves. What we haven't yet attained ourselves, we cannot give to others. And when we merely give them the letter of it, we give them husks 
It is only as we give them a measure of our attained realization that we give them the bread of life, the meat, the wine, and the water. It is somewhat like giving good advice to people. It's giving them husks. Worse is it with this when you try to give people spiritual truth without having attained it. Do not make this subject one of conversation even among ourselves and certainly do not try to impart it to anyone. Wait, wait patiently until the time comes when you can yourself say, aha, I have clicked. I have at will entered the divine uh, Shekinah, the presence of his glory. I can walk in and out at will, and no man can take it from me because I have attained it. Then uh, you can first of all recommend it to others, and then secondly, should they desire it, teach it and demonstrate it for them and with them. But surely not until your own life bears witness, at least to some extent, that the Spirit has been touched and has touched you and that it is the essence of your experience. That is why in all spiritual matters it pays never to discuss these things, never to discuss them, and to share them only where there seems a readiness for receptivity. That is why we may, when we see others in distress, we may offer them a pamphlet or a book, but then we must loose them and let them go to make their own demonstration from there on in. Anything further than that is meddling in our neighbor's business rather than loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so it is even though we have the pearl of great price, we have the right to expose that pearl except the connoisseurs who can enjoy it. It's a harsh saying, it's true, but no one yet has ever been benefited by spiritual work except those who were themselves ready for the spiritual experience and they show their readiness by their degree of reaching out. Whenever it has to be urged on anyone a second time, whenever we have to keep at anyone, we are wasting our time. We'd be better off, even as a blessing to them, to keep our gem locked up within ourselves keep it polished, keep it active in consciousness, and then probably through the miracle of silence it may penetrate their consciousness where words may deprive them of it. Very often the miracle of silence will do more for our friends, our relatives, our students than speech. Speech can antagonize. Some of you may have had the experience of being in intense pain or trouble and asked someone for help metaphysically and they said, oh, it isn't real, it doesn't hurt, 
you know pain isn't real. You know how you have felt about that? If you have felt as I have felt, it was pretty rebellious. I never want anyone, if I ask you for help, don't tell me it doesn't hurt. Because if I believe that, I wouldn't be asking you for help. If you know that it doesn't hurt, keep that gem to yourself. Know it in silence. And what you know in silence will be demonstrated publicly and bodily by me. But don't, don't ever indulge metaphysical platitudes and cliches. Because, not if I ask for help, because I can tell you they don't interest me. What interests me is your consciousness of truth. In the same way when you ask me for help, I don't think you care much how much truth I know and can quote to you. And I don't think you have too much faith, hope, or confidence in it unless it achieves something for you and the words won't. But if I have the consciousness of it, I never have to voice the words. The consciousness of it in silence does the work. That which is known in silence appears outwardly as demonstration. Well, I think we have arrived at another phase of our work and unfoldment. And uh, a great degree of benefit, demonstration, revelation will come to us if we remember this formula for our prayer work. Pray for anything you like as long as it isn't of this world. 